0: All right, himself. well, I see the seconds are ticking on this little gadget, which was or is not an easy thing to work. I swear it's not me. So, Dev, I, I just left you up at Geneseo, and I am now starting my 2020 cross-country COVID trip which I hope to get to California and back, and hoping uh, there'll be no major obstacles en route. I guess right now, where do you find me? I am en route to Ohio, and then I'll go from Ohio to Chicago. And as you know, for reference, because I don't know when you will actually listen to this, I, uh, over the last few weeks, found out that I my furlough will continue i've been out since march it'll continue uh into 2021 and at this point hoping i'll actually have a job in 2021 sadly hannah and i have broken up i guess really at this point i can only be grateful for the time we had at the same time my lease was up in the city sort of had to decide, do I get another apartment, do I leave the city, go somewhere else, and after a lot of thought, I decided <laughs> that I would move back to grandma's house, and <laughs> probably end up in the same room as uh, when I was a little kid, but you gotta do what you gotta do, and so, with you guys in college, honestly, that the thought of spending the next few months without really a job, might become a little too much. So I decided, you know what, I'll I'll probably never have an opportunity like this again to see these great United States. I thought what I'm gonna do is uh, take this journey and I will actually talk to you, Aiden, Devin and Nora. I don't know, kind of like, uh, like keeping a diary. <laughs> Never had a diary, but I'm committed that I'm gonna talk into this freaking thing, no matter how painful it is, throughout the journey, uh, in hopes that uh, one day you'll take your own cross-country journey, and whether you follow my path or blaze your own trail, I guess that's a double meaning, right? I, I encourage you to do so. I mean, I'm out of the gate here, but There is a certain freedom. Funny enough, I made this decision to go and I I booked all these hotel rooms from here to California. And at the same time, after I'd done all this, I posted to my Facebook my plans for my journey and I sort of mapped out the route I was gonna take. And asked people for suggestions on things to do, whatever. I did not anticipate the amount of people that would have suggestions and words of wisdom or good luck or whatever it was. As I left Devon's and and heading out, I have so many people that I need to respond to, or at least acknowledge. I think that might be an old school thing. I'm not sure if uh, the youngsters feel that obligation, but nonetheless... This this journey <laughs> was for me to sort of let my hair down. I don't want to say rebel without a cause, but no rules, no obligations. Just trying to uh, enjoy the journey, so to speak. But yet, here I am. I realize. All of a sudden, I'm like some uh, social media influencer where I now have to communicate on the, via Facebook to circle back to people. So, one lesson to you, if you ever do this, never put out any open-ended questions on Facebook. It'll save you a lot of time. <laughs> also, by virtue of making all these hotel reservations, I've created a schedule. <laughs> and again... Being out on the road, I, I think the idea was not to have any schedules or obligations. But here I am; I've done that. But nonetheless, I, I think maybe it's best I do have some sort of a regiment uh, to ensure I get to the West Coast in a timely manner. I'm in this limbo state now, and I, I think for my mental health and in the spirit of life, and taking this, you know, this opportunity is a gift. <laughs> despite its ugly wrapping. I spent the night in Toledo, Ohio, uh, the night before last. actually got a good night's sleep, and then uh, the next morning, uh, I was off to Chicago. It was a decent ride, probably about, I'd say, seven hours or so. And I uh, checked into the JW Marriott. It was a weird vibe. Everyone was nice, but like from the get-go, you you handle your own bell cart, which in a normal world is a no-no. And as I pushed it to the elevator and down this cavernous hallway, I felt like I was in some kind of a apocalyptical movie. And it was kind of a little like The Shining too, if you remember that feel. So far on the journey, it's been like. I kind of get that feeling as I'm driving. And since I've left New York, I've been really <laughs> kind of waiting for the unknown to happen. Will I be pulled over because of my New York plates? I guess that's to be determined. If I didn't mention this, I did get one of those rapid COVID tests before I left, which showed me to be negative, and I keep that in my pocket if something weird is to go down. Uh, God bless the front desk clerks, the housekeepers, and (laughs) all the frontline workers. I checked in, I got all my stuff, and I walked around. I I think I put on like 21,000 steps just (laughs) walking aimlessly around Chicago and... You know what? Kind of cool, right? And I've been there before, but I never really walked around. As darkness was approaching, I I realized it was time to uh, meet up with some uh, friends of mine. Actually, this girl Leslie I used to work with and her husband Paul. I, I went to meet them down uh, at this restaurant. It was just, I guess... Just kind of off the Chicago River there. I, I see them. Hey, how are you? You know, we, we sit down and as we're catching up and we're talking and everything. To my right, there's this these couple ladies and they're I guess finishing up their dinner. And the one lady gets she gets up to get down and they were like on like a little sort of like it was like a little step they had to come down. And so this woman who you could tell quite quickly was a little tipsy. She. She goes to step off of it, he misses the step, and falls down. He hits the ground, and she's you know she's trying to get up, and someone's like you know don't get up, you know stay still or whatever. So she kind of lays back down. But We're sitting there. Someone else is like call an ambulance. They call the ambulance, and they're talking to her and trying to, I guess keep her spirits up while this is going on. Our food arrives, and so we're, we're, we're sitting there eating our dinner, chatting, catching up on old times. And this woman is laying literally right behind us. And so finally, the ambulance comes, and they come over. You know, they check her out. They put her up on a stretcher, and he start to wheel her out. And the meantime the whole time we're just sitting there eating dinner oh my god it was just i want to say only in new york moment but uh i guess also in chicago this was definitely a memorable meal but good times catching up with them and overall chicago's got a great vibe not that i'm dealing with a whole lot of people but for those that i do have uh, interactions with i'm just getting a good feel for the city the, the next day, um, I explored the downtown area near the water. And at one point, it was starting to get dark. I, I dipped into this place. And it was kind of like it was kind of like a karaoke stand-up comedy place. And obviously, I haven't been inside a restaurant, let alone a place that has entertainment since probably back in March. I stayed there for a little while. I masked up. I guess, if I'm being honest, it felt a little dangerous. It was kind of a... It was time to move on. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Actually, what did, did I ever tell you that once upon a time, I delved into the world of comedy? Say hello. i had been with Marriott at the Marquis for like ten years. So this is probably like so about 2002-ish. I had gone for a job, and I did not get it. This was the first time that I didn't get it. It was like, all right, what do I do now? At the time, you guys are six years old, four years old and two years old. And I had no idea, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna continue to make a living? I'll tell you this on a side note, I I couldn't imagine going through this COVID time with you guys being that young. So as I'm trying to figure out, you know, what, what am I going to do for my next work move, I decided that I, I needed to blow off a little steam or, I don't know, just do something that was outside of work. And so I decided to take this improv class downtown. It's a place called um, HB Studios. And so at that time, I would commute back and forth from New Rochelle to the city, and I'd walk from Times Square to Grand Central and Grand Central Times Square back and forth every day. I would always walk by this place called Hamburger Harry's, which was like one block up from the Marquis and I think is actually now, ironically, a uh, planet Hollywood. But after a few improv classes, I decided that I was going to go into Hamburger Harry's because in the back room they would have like these these open mics on, uh, I guess, a certain day of the week. While it was Scary as hell. There was something, <laughs> something exhilarating to get up there in front of people I didn't know, and try to get them to laugh. In retrospect, I I wouldn't say I was like the joke teller, but more like a, sort of like the funny storyteller. But anyway, after doing Hamburger Harry's and doing the uh, <laughs> the improv class for a while, I was like, yeah, man, I, I gotta take this to another level, and. The, the reality was I knew I wasn't funny like, ha-ha, and that I wouldn't be able to like go do a comedy set. However, I started to think that based on things I had done at work and such, that I could maybe MC a comedy show earlier in my career. I had become good friends uh, with this guy, Kevin Bracey. Pretty sure you've met KB over the years, but KB is like the same age as me, born a day before me. So he's older. (laughs) K.B. knows everybody in the city and I think pretty much around the country, especially when it comes to the world of sports and music. And as I would find out on this little uh, adventure, that he also knows people in comedy. And so one day I pulled him aside and we were talking and I I told him what I'd been doing on the side. And pretty short answer was, well, let's do it. And we began to sort of plot and plan over the next few months. And through KB, we're able to line up some legit comedians. We secured this place over on the east side. I want to say it was uh, La, La Magneta, La or something like that. And it was like a downstairs thing, and they had a stage, and the tables are set up around it, so the stage is kind of in the middle. So, so it ended up being a sold-out show with a lot of friends and family, including Mommy. I had... Invited this woman, uh, who I thought was amazing, from over at Hamburger Harry's. I thought this would kind of be, you know, a come up for her to be around these guys. Uh, and, of course, our headliner was this gentleman by the name of Talent, Talent Harris. This guy is freaking hysterical. Mic check, baby. What's the deal? It's your boy Talent, the quiet before the storm. we in the back, chilling out, getting ready to set this show off. <laughs> Let's go, let's go. And it's as if he, you know, he doesn't even come in with a routine, but everything that comes out of his mouth is just freaking funny. And he stands there, a Heineken in one hand, while he works the audience like nobody I've ever seen. And he's always quick to remind everyone. Don't take it personal. It's just comedy. So the night of the event, KB's holding down the floor. The comedians and I strategize our game plan, and before you know it, I was on. And you know, so one one of the um, comedians that KB and I saw while doing our due diligence for our big night was this guy Capone. And you know he's another amazing comedian. Anyway, this guy would come out, in every time he'd come out, he'd come out to this new song uh, that had just come out. I thought, you know what? I'm going to steal that intro. Plus, he had actually turned down the uh, opportunity to join our little deaf comedy jam. <laughs> so there I was, the night of, dressed head to toe in black, right down to my cons. And as 50 cents in the club kicked in, I don't, don't, you know, say <laughs> Amphidia hot. Um, I come out. And honestly, I don't really remember what my routine was, but proceeded to uh, introduce the comedians. And as one would come off, I'd get back up, do my little thing, and then bring in the next one. And ultimately, uh, we were close with talent, who killed it. It was a great time. Me and KB probably ended up losing a couple hundred dollars each on the gig. I felt a little guilty for KB, like kind of uh, helped me out with... <laughs> bringing this fantasy to life, but to live in that world for that little time, I was grateful. <music> A few months later, actually, I found out, or I was able to secure another job over on the east side as an assistant general manager. And <laughs> what's funny to me, and, and this has kind of happened in weird ways over the years, is I ended up going back to the marquee and there was a total hotel talent show and it was in one of our ballrooms and so people that had talent signed up and they came out and did the thing. So there was a guy that was emceeing this and the the hotel had hired him to run the talent show and he was funny and, and all that, what have you. But the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, he doesn't know anybody in the audience. Not really connecting with them, really, you know? And, and I'm also thinking, like, damn, I, I could do this. So a couple days later, <laughs> I went down to see David, my director of human resources, and proceeded to pitch him the idea that I could and should be the MC of the talent show. And I heard back a few days later that I had gotten the gig, and funny enough, For all the great things this this guy David did for the hotel. What he's most remembered and legend for is booking Rihanna for a marquee celebration. And I believe, like, Umbrella maybe had just sort of come out. Rihanna was about to blow up, but had not just yet. I guess what I'm trying to say is that David could (laughs) could spot future talent. (laughs) The next time the talent show happened, I was invited to be the MC. And you know what, as luck would have it, I pretty much have continued to do that a role, if you will, up until COVID hit. Just strange how sometimes these things... But I guess, you know what, really, over the years, I've had, (laughs) like, compulsions uh, for, like, different passion projects. I'm not really sure, and I've really kind of thought about this, what's behind it, but it's almost like a challenge to see if I can go into a world that I have really no right to be part of and, like, make something happen. And as I look back uh, on how sometimes things work, sometimes they don't, but at the end of the day, and maybe this is the reason for me telling you this, is that you got to be open to failing. And really, at, at this point in my career, I can honestly say, I, I, at this point, I've probably gotten half the jobs that I've gone for. So that's, that's a 50% failure. <laughs> 50% rate. But I, I look at it and I'm like, well, you know what? I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't gone through all that. And so I would just say, kiddies, as you go through life, you will not always win, but realize every time you lose, it better prepares you for the next opportunity. So. Until we next speak, peace out. It's over, it's over again. Music in this episode is courtesy of Epidemic Sound and Blue Dot Sessions. A special thanks goes out to Real Love Diplomats for providing the soundtrack to Don't Call It A Memoir.